0: maximize every opportunity so that you can become you legendary can become legendary what adjustments can you make right now the to make yourself 1% better your only better? goal is to be the best version of you Welcome to the Becoming Legendary podcast. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you? <laughs> lovely, lovely. Thanks for asking. <laughs> I love that question. It's so often that I don't get asked that question when, in the in the jump off. So I'm like giddy. Oh,
1: <laughs> I think that should be reciprocated. I think we should reciprocate. I'm doing well. How are you? And I mean it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Heck yeah. I'm lovely. I'm so happy to get the opportunity to meet you. Um, so this is the first time we've ever spoken. And I know yes. you and Brian, you and Brian have a nice history, but for me and for anybody listening who isn't familiar with you, can you give us the quick backstory?
1: Yes. So I am Laura McKenzie. I am based out of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, born and raised here. And I've been teaching yoga for almost 20 years now in Arizona. And for the last 10 of those years, I've been training yoga teachers at Spirit of Yoga, which is a part of Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, which is a holistic college here in Tempe, Arizona. So very close to ASU, for those of you who might be familiar with our university. um, Yeah, and that's how I met Brian. He was a part of my 200 hour program. I've been the director of the 200 hour program there, and I am the lead instructor for the 200 hour program. I teach fast track during the day is what we call it. Uh, We come together Monday through Thursday, for three hours a day um, for the 200 hour training. And beyond that, I'm a wife and a mom of three kids. And um, I just became a grandma. I have my oldest had a baby. So (laughs) life is good. Yeah, I'm super grateful. And um...
0: (laughs) I mean, if you were gonna, if you were gonna pause on one word or one like end of the sentence, I'm super grateful is a pretty great, good way to pause, isn't it Brian?
2: Yeah, exactly (laughs) right.
0: (laughs) Hi. it auto isn't that isn't that a wonderful zoom feature where when you get kicked off the internet it puts you back on mute for some reason <laughs> because it
1: doesn't want you to come back and be yeah. all like fiery and say things you don't want recorded
2: <laughs> right? we, we were just going down a rabbit hole laura i'm glad i'm glad you came on when you did
1: <laughs> i know it, i just so my true confession is i live in a very we moved in june we live in a really small house and so i've like i'm like hiding out in the space above the garage <laughs> and so that you won't hear my family in the main home um yeah. and so i don't know if i have such good in i might have to go to my phone or something if it keeps cutting us off
0: we'll figure we'll figure it out we'll figure yeah,
2: it out <laughs> <laughs> okay so, so we're we're not, we're, like, don't, go, go ahead, ahead. brian no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Oh,
0: this is all I wanted to say. There yeah. was, there was like a perfect, there was like a perfect component to, to how you froze out, which was the let, the very last thing you said was, I am so grateful. And mm-hmm. it, it just like froze right after that. it was like, well, that was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the end. I think we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> <Good> God, <laughs>
2: exactly. Thank you for your time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That truly is. Like, yeah. that's it. I am so grateful. The end. I don't know if there's a lot else to say.
2: That's it. <laughs> yeah. We've got what we wanted. We're done. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think but hey, I want to... Yeah, nice encapsulation.
2: Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just doing some, some background about you, Miss Laura, um, to Patrick. And so Patrick used to own Vitality or owned Vitality still owns it, I suppose, if you will. Um, Vi- <laughs> Vibetality is the stu- a studio down in um, Chandler, Arizona, um, where they had the vibration plates. Are you still on? Yeah. Okay. There you are. Perfect. Um, yeah. So I was fortunate enough to, to teach for him for a little while. The COVID happened. Um, he had to shut down his studio. So hence he moved back up to, up to Colorado, but I was, (laughs) I was going back and forth with just like playing numbers with myself. How many students have you, have you guided through the the yoga teacher training track? I estimated a thousand, but is that lowballing it?
1: Maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's been a lot because i taught, I've always taught fast track during the day and now I have like the best schedule. I teach only two fast tracks now uh, per year and it gives me a chance to travel. I'm going to India in January again and um, I have my summers off. And so it's pretty much the best schedule, but for a long time, I was teaching back to back YTT trainings. And so There were a lot of students that moved through. And then for four years of that, I taught fast track during the day and I taught Tuesday, Thursday night, YTT. So there was a whole nother YTT I was managing at the same time as the daytime one. So a thousand might be lowballing it.
2: (laughs) I think it is for sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, this is going to lead into my first, my first question. How the heck do you do it? (laughs) because, because I, you know, to, to be, to to be, to be completely honest, after I graduated my, one of my missions, right. Was to, was to help assist first and then to, to move, move on along the line and to eventually guide students through the YTT program, um, like, like yourself. And it was, I realized that I realized early on that that path necessarily just wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so I, so I need to, I need to find out a little bit about what makes that experience, um, so compelling for you to be a part of. Right. And then not only that, but, but then you, the way that you deal with each and every student, it's as if they're the only student that exists in the world. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's what I felt you were, we had, we had a big, we had a big, uh, a big class. It was like maybe 40 students or something. And every time you were speaking, it was, it was, it was as if you were talking to me only, you Mm -hmm. know? So, so how does that, how does Laura find space to hold space for so many other people?
1: Wow. Well, that's like a huge compliment Uh, that could bring me to tears because I think that that's my, Uh, That's truly my joy. I want that to be a felt sense um, because it's why I show up every day. I want people to feel seen uh, as an individual, as their own beautiful, unique self. I want them to feel loved and appreciated. And really how I do it is because I get all of that back. That's so sustaining. And I don't want it to sound cliche. And it's not um, that I don't have my own rough days or where I feel sort of energetically spent. But then my job is to go fill up. Uh, you know, not just teaching yoga, but embodying the practice is really the sustainer for me. It's, it's embodying it in every aspect. And that's through my time with my family, through driving on the road, through the line at the grocery store. It's like everything I teach in the classroom is uh, what I've lived and continue to live on a daily basis. And so I really just want to support people let them know how loved, truly loved they are um, in the world in a bigger way. And and that just fills me up, truly fills me up. It just brings me so much joy. That's
2: cool. You're a magical person. It's I've spent a lot of time one-on-one with you. And I was telling Patrick that I have my spiritual teachers, I have my guides, I have my the people that I fall back on, the books that I read, et cetera, et cetera. But you as a person are, you're like a pure mirror. Mm. And, you know, in the time of my life that I was going through yoga teacher training, I needed to be reminded just what you brought up, like that I am love, that I am valued, that I am seen. And so when I had those one-on-one conversations with you, aside from class, it was It was as if I was looking into my, to to my own self in in my, in a a weird way. And that's what I mean by a mirror, like in in my soul. And it wasn't as if you were, you were saying anything that was out of the ordinary or, or, or sort of away from, from my calling. You were just, you kept reminding me of, of my own self. And so do, do you look at yourself as a mirror? Do you, do you, do you feel that? in in conversations because I know I know that I certainly felt it and I'm I'm not the only person that has felt that either.
1: I I mean I I truly I think we all are. I think that we all have our own like intuitive gifts and what we feel and um, experience through other people. But you know this is also kind of like the human experience right like you know I don't think it would be as pure or as um, I don't think it would land as much if I hadn't, like, if I don't continuously do my own work, right? Like, so I think what makes it a mirror is the relatability is it's like, I get you, you know, I'm, I'm not just sitting here on high, you know, I don't have my yoga robes on and I'm like, you know, life is, is magical all the time. You know, I recognize the struggle and, and the challenges of our, human existence. Uh, you know, And so what I really like to do is just tether people back to the divinity, divinity that they truly are so that they can navigate the human experience yeah. from a place that's landed and supported. Yeah. And so if I can be a little bit of an anchor point to that, mm-hmm. it's really only because I know what it feels like to be untethered to be unanchored to something greater and and also what it feels like to be home in that. So I think that's the yeah the commonality or the the connection in those moments.
2: It's 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 a great answer. The the only person that's wearing a yogic robe here is Patrick.
1: <laughs> and there's no judgment.
2: The judgment. robe it up. I just she had to bring had up her
1: style, or you know, yoga uh, meditation guru in the Himalaya style. Either way, That's
2: it. I just had to, I had to bring that up, Patrick. For those who are listening and not watching, he's got a beautiful white vegan. I don't know, looks silk robe on. I don't know what it is, but it's it's a vibe, and I love it.
1: It's a vibe. <laughs> <laughs>
2: man I, the, the picture that you were drawing for people is is fun <laughs> it's probably inaccurate but
0: on, so Laura, on. I want to go back to something that you kind of touched around, and um one of the things that you you mentioned is the authentic representation in the way you feel and the way you communicate and that is a that is a really interesting place um in the yogic experience and i think from from a young teacher's perspective i think one of the things one of the one of the biggest mistakes early on in teaching careers in the yoga world is this like teaching from a place of non-authenticity right like here's a quote that i read on instagram five minutes before the class and i'm gonna like tell you this and try to fit it in in a non-themed class it just like i'm interjecting this this thing through someone do you was there a time in in your experience when when that was part of the practice or part of the teaching practice, and do you know how you attached yourself to an authentic representation of the way the way you kind of channel through teaching?
1: Yeah, I think that we all have to go through that. I you know I remember my days as a as a young early you know teacher and and I was just winging it. I just like. I would literally pray to whomever, like, like, please don't let me totally screw this thing up. Like, don't let me be this epic failure. Because at that point, even in my teachings, after having gone through, I went through a 500 hour training, uh, a year long 500 hour training. And I was, the small voice, Laura, was still really, really loud. And I feel like she was driving the car. And, and so There was thankfully the internal voice that said, just keep teaching, just keep teaching, just keep teaching. And I feel like it's through the it's through, you know, living this life where we where we connect seem to connect to everything that we're not that brings us back to our truth or what we truly are. And and thankfully through the teaching of yoga even when it was like I'm just going to throw out a breath technique or a quote and I'm just going to trust or fingers crossed it works, uh, I was I was better able to connect to everything I am. And so and so I'm really light with my teachers and and I tell them all the time like say yes to teaching, say yes to every teaching because it kind of works itself out. I believe in a lot of the, in a lot of the um, like minutia and a lot of the crap that, you know, that, that we put out there, but don't really know how to embody yet. And then we find our way through it. And, and it takes time. It just takes time because it's a journey, which we all know and we hear, and there's lots of quotes on that as well, but it's a, it's a journey, but you, you know, what makes me sad is when people shut it down when they know inside like this isn't authentic so i'm just not going to teach it's like no just keep teaching and it works itself out as you go Mm -hmm. and and it teaches us a lot about ourselves teaching teaches us a lot about ourselves so it's through the process of teaching that we that we what's revealed is the true self in teaching i don't know if that helps
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure so i want to touch really quickly brian i'll turn this to you but this idea of saying yes for teaching, um, mm-hmm. so yes to teaching. Mm-hmm. It, the there's a practicality within that statement as well, right? Like it's not just the necessity to teach, where in which you will find yourself, but there is also the reality that when an opportunity to teach presents itself, that is that is literally your doorway into showing who you are, and the the like. <clears throat> The thing that I've realized in uh, teaching for someone else is that if there's a sub opportunity, that is just an opportunity as an advertisement for yourself, right? Like anytime as a teacher, you are leaving the door open for someone to come and fill your space. That is an opportunity for someone to come in and grab your students and make them their students, number one. And anytime you have the opportunity to come in and teach, that is an opportunity to go into someone else's room. And, and connect with those students and make those students part of part of your student collective. And I don't think I ever really understood that until I was, I was teaching in, in another studio space. And that, I mean, that is the most underutilized tool in the teaching industry, like in the yoga teaching industry. If you are struggling to find students, find your way into a class to sub and connect with those students and you all of a sudden have them. I
1: I, t- I mean, subbing classes got me more jobs than ever being invited into a studio setting. 100%. It was all through subbing. And I still get a little, it's interesting to me when I put out still, and um, a request for a sub for I, for I teach one studio class now, and it's really a piggyback for fast track, so that they can come in and see me teach a full class. But I need a sub sometimes, and it's like crickets. I can't get it. I'm like, really? Like this is your way in, friends. Like come on, <laughs> sub these classes. And beyond everything that you said so beautifully, which I totally agree with and support, it challenges us as teachers nice. to go in and teach someone else's class who you know those students love that teacher, right? That challenges us as teachers, not to be like the teacher that's usually teaching the class, but to be authentically us. Well, who am I? How can I express myself? How can I shine in this space? And by the way, I might not even know for sure what, what the teacher usually teaches here, but what can I you know, authentically share in this moment? And it's a, it's a powerful way to challenge ourselves as teachers.
2: Yeah, there's yeah. there, yeah, for sure. There's there's also there's also for 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 me in my teaching journey. I, I too now, Laura, only teach one studio class a week. I teach strength and stability at Spirit of Yoga, um, which I've been teaching now for th- three or four years now. And I, I to, to be quite frank, I was teaching ten to fifteen classes a week for for a couple of years straight, and I got I got burnt out big time. Yeah. Um, I found that. They're just going through the motions, but, but, but on am i the growth up to those, those 10 or 15 classes a week. Every, I don't want to call like a let, like a level, but I, I would, I would, I would get to a certain place. And then I would start to question myself. I would start to think about whether or not I was showing up in an authentic way. And then I would go back to my roots. I would go back to some of the Laura quotes. i would go back to some of my initial trainings. I would revisit those. And then I would, up level onto the next level. And then I found myself reaching a like a, a, a ceiling and then I'd have to go back and revisit all the stuff that kind of made me what I was up, up until that point. So, so the question really becomes in your own, in your own practice, in your own teaching, do you, when you're in front of the students, is, is there any, is, is there still that dual dialogue going back and forth in, in your own brain as if, cause, cause for me, I know that it, that it's and what, what I mean by the dual the dual dialogue is is this authentic? Is this landing? Is this connecting? Um, mm. or, or or are you so experienced now that it just it just flows? Because because for me there's there's days that it flows and there's days that I'm in my head, and 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 I think when I can find like I've stopped like planning a script, I've stopped writing everything out that I used to do for for a good solid year, and it just comes out wherever it's supposed to come out. So yeah, does that. Does that feel the same for you when you, as you move through your teaching career, or is was there, there still that, that back and forth in your own, in your own?
1: Um, teaching, I mean, I wouldn't say it's because I'm experienced. I just think I'm a little more chill about it now. You know, I've spent mm. a decade and a half. I would <laughs> easily say, judging myself, worried that it wasn't enough. You know, is my being authentic? What can I, you know? And I, I take. Tons of trainings, lots of workshops. I like to continue to fill myself up so that I can share um, in a powerful way, hopefully. Uh, but now, when I teach a class, it um, it's very enjoyable because there is such a level of trust that that everyone in here is getting something that they need. I really believe that they wouldn't be in that space. And I wouldn't be in that space if we weren't supposed to be there together in that moment connected. So whatever comes through, comes through. And are there some times after I teach where I'm like, I don't know that was so good. Yeah. But I give that to the yoga too. I'm like, nah, I just give that to the yoga. And then I'm like, oh my God, did everyone feel that? That was the most epic class ever. I'm like, that was so amazing. And I'm like, nah, give that to the yoga too. You can't hold on to that. That's the yeah. trick because then you've set this level of expectation within yourself. Like, I've got to always meet that. And I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think that you are just constantly transmitting something greater than you know, the, the small self when we, when we trust, when we let go and just let it and let it flow, you know, it sounds so silly when I say it like that, (laughs) I do like a good rhyme, but, but that to me is the, that to me is the idea. So no, the studio classes aren't the stressor when I'm training teachers, Mm. um, that flows really well. Afterwards, I step back and reass- and really look at it because that you know not that that's any more important than a studio class, but you know they're in there. I'm I take that responsibility really seriously to to you know be some type of vessel who's going to be sharing these ancient teachings in a way that's engaging and digestible. And, um, and that shifts depending on the dynamic of the space, um, the dynamic of the students in it, that's a whole different piece than teaching a studio
2: class. Yeah. That's a, that makes a lot of sense. I, the, as, as I've, as I've grown through lessening the amount of teaches the, the classes that I teach it, for me, one of the funnest things is to see the, is to see the look on the students faces or in their bodies of like ha i'm back here and i'm and i've revisited myself like i've reconnected to myself so so teaching so many classes was it was it was it was almost numbing that for me it was it wasn't i wasn't allowed to almost to feel that expression so as much as I'm giving, as much as you're giving when you're teaching, you're also receiving, right? There's those subliminal messages, there's those non-verbal messages that are always coming into you. And that's one of the things that I enjoy most about, about speaking to you or speaking to any yoga teacher really is the fact that that they're 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 showing up in a way that feels really, really authentic, you know, and that's and that and, and that's and that's beautiful to see. So thank yeah. you for, for, for being so authentic.
1: <laughs> oh, well, thank you. And yeah. look, teaching 15 classes of anything is yeah. a lot. I yeah. mean, that's an energetic, that that can be a lot of depletion where you're, it's like, I can never catch up. I can never recharge enough to feel like I can share from a place of authenticity or just from a, a place where I don't feel exhausted doing it.
2: Exactly right. Exactly right. It was It, it, it became a point, I was also managing the yoga teachers too. Which is uh, something which is something that is, it sheds a yeah interesting to say the least. It sheds a light on, um, on why I think a lot of yoga teachers are appreciated but not loved. And, and I know that maybe rings a bell to, to, to you, Patrick, cause we're, we're, we're researching and planning on, I doing think
0: love, but not appreciated is actually okay. the way I would phrase it. <laughs> okay.
2: Interesting. Interesting. That's even better. We've got, we've got more of a topic than to talk about. <laughs> um, so yeah, whatever way you want to look at it, it's, you know, it's, there's something there to think about deeper for sure. Definitely. So I want to, I want to, I'm
1: interested in what you guys are talking about.
0: (laughs) So let's touch on it really quick. Um, I think that there is, so there's a reality that, uh, financially supporting yourself within the yogic world is remarkably difficult. And I think there's also a reality that the person that you see at the grocery store that like lights you up, your yoga teacher, right? Like that person also lives, lives a real life. And that's why they're at the grocery store. And I think it's easy for students to forget uh, that most yoga teachers are, are struggling financially for sure, but almost inherently are, are struggling financially. And also they're like, you may be in a yoga class one day where someone just had a horrific breakup three hours before and yet they are there to shine a light towards you and the the amount of taxation on that energetic exchange that they are offering you i think is really easy to underappreciate it's really under easy to underappreciate someone who shows up every single day and who lights up your world and so much so that when you see them out in public it is like hey my yoga teachers here and that is a real thing to happen.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Well, they, you know,
1: students will put you on a pedestal and they and they really do believe that, you know, I don't I don't know what they believe. But it definitely feels like they have this feeling that that we are beyond the struggles of the day to day. And that it was through the practice of yoga that that we now walk around the world um, not suffering right in any way, financially, emotionally, mentally, physically, that there's this idea that yoga teachers are beyond that. And if we all know that is absolutely not true. Mm. And it is it is through the struggle and through our own suffering that we then can use the power of the teachings of yoga to help support somebody else who's going through the same thing. And what is comforting as a yoga teacher is that there's so many other yoga teachers who get that. I don't know that the students will ever get that. I don't know that they, I don't know that they care to. Mm. I think that we have a community of yoga teachers who get it. And that's who we need to lean into in those times where we feel depleted and struggling. And how do we keep this going? You know, should I continue to teach? I think leaning into other yoga teachers and and really having a supportive community of yoga teachers is key because I don't think it's in the makeup of the students to get it in a big way. I think they're going to continue to, you know, like, what, what do you buy at the grocery store? (laughs) You know, is that beer? That's weird. I thought you only bought mum beans. You know, it's just, they have this idea and I'm very relaxed with the fact that they have that idea and I'm 100% okay that that's not my reality. That's not my truth. You know, I know what it is to navigate the challenges of life. I know what it is to, you know, have a a really terrible experience and then show up and teach anyway.
2: Yeah.
0: So, you know,
1: but that's why we need each other.
0: (laughs) 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 So I want to, I want to piggyback and devil's advocate, um, the collective conversation that you guys just kind of bounce back and forth because I, I do, I don't think anything within the experience is inherent. Um, So there were times where I was teaching 20 plus 24 classes a week, and um, they came after like a really impactful, they didn't come after a really impactful thing, they came after a breakup where my partner and I split up, and um, I was left from being kind of like this background force within my yoga studio to being the face of the yoga studio, and I was pushed into being forced to teach and being forced to be, uh, really in a place that was interesting because I was, I was there for a group of students who were grieving the fact that my relationship had ended and to mm-hmm. be like, uh, in that position changed the way I thought about myself. It changed the way I thought about the yoga studio and it changed my relationship with the community. Into what I really feel today, it's just like this family of people that I love, and teaching that often, um, it didn't. It didn't take away my like teaching skill set. It made teaching. It opened these doors of what I could do in a class to a point that I cannot imagine ever possibly getting to unless I was teaching that often. It was just like the physical component was just background and everything else that i could do was like that's how i use my energy like the class taught itself and i used my energy to like nurture and take care of and make the energetic experience for the students happen and i i don't think i could get there without teaching that many classes a week because where I, where I, where i have changed my schedule it's just not the same and i also think you know during that time, as crazy as it was, that became like the most graceful period of my life where there was nothing that could go wrong that would phase me in any way. And that did come from teaching yoga, right? Like it was yoga that brought me into this space where nothing mattered. It was like, oh, that's a problem. Well, we'll just solve it. Like, it doesn't matter what comes up. We'll solve whatever comes up. Everything is handleable. So I think Mm -hmm. that your, your yoga teacher may very well be this like immaculate being. And if that is the case, it's freaking amazing. Like take yoga with that yoga teacher because that is amazing. But it is also just as possible that your yoga teacher just had a fight with their mom and now they're walking in and they somehow have to like deal with all the turmoil and all of that like inner workings that you do and put a smile on their face and like show you the love that you showed up to class to receive. So I, I don't think it's inherent that it's like teaching teach your teacher maybe may be a monk. It's possible your teacher's a monk. It's also possible your teacher's really struggling. And it's 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 also possible as a teacher to teach every single hour of your active being and be charged and thrilled and in love with life. Hmm. Uh,
1: 100%. I think each each person's experience is individual. Sure. I know a lot of teachers. I've been that teacher who taught 15, 20 classes a week. I might only teach one now, but I, I've been there. I've taught the 15, 20 classes a week. I will say for myself, it was sustainable to a point. And that's probably not true either. It just got to a point where I got to, I felt like I was making choices that were going to work best for my whole life, rather than just this one sort of avenue. Um, But I agree with you. I think, but every person's experience is going to be different. You know, my experience to Brian's, to yours, Patrick, each one of us is going to have a different experience. And it's all valuable. It's all, you know, real. It's all something that we've (laughs) navigated. And I will say it's all empowering for other teachers as well as students to hear your story, to know your story, for you to share it is is it, it just it creates a bond. Like you said, you're not just there to teach. You're also there receiving You're you're getting back so much of their love and support as you're navigating the challenges of life as well. So I, I think it's really beautiful. But each person, each teacher has to find their way through that. My experience yeah. is not going to be yours. It's not going to be Brian's. It's not going to be sure. the thousand, you know, teachers I've trained. Like, like what <laughs> is your experience and what is sustainable for you?
2: Yeah. And what's right for you. It's I, 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 Patrick and I met when, when his, when his ex-partner and and him were together and vitality was, was thriving as with Patrick in the background and then life happened. And I, and I, I came back around Patrick and I reconnected when, when um when the, the partnership had no longer broken up and and now and and I and I looked at him and I was like who is this guy like like he he felt he felt so different both from um you know mental spiritually emotionally and so I appreciate that 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 story so much Patrick it 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 provides a lot of insight into you into into how Gosh, because when I when when I met you then for that second time, you, I think you invited me to the studio. I forget exactly how how it went down, but it was like this. It was a similar feeling I received from you, Laura. That 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 you know, I'm. I guess I'm still trying to cultivate, and and it's like it's that pure mirror that shows up. Patrick, I, I look at him as a mirror as well, and um, it's always great to share those 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 war stories, if you will, about teaching, but also share insight on how to up level and how to how to how to improve and how to allow the students to to be that that constant force of love, you know, that, that that is moving through us. So I just want to say thanks, Patrick, and and thanks Laura for for that little comment. I appreciate you. Both. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. Appreciate <laughs> you.
0: Laura, you mentioned you so flip flip out of us and go into a deeper yogic conversation. Uh, you mentioned you're going back to India. I- I'm curious how you interact with the westernization of yoga. How does that feel within the, within the authenticity of, of your yogic experience?
1: In India or in the U.S.? Just the, the U.S. Westernizing?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's an interesting question, right? Because the reality is, we we went in, we went east, we we brought yoga west, and now Western yoga is working its way back to to back east, back to India, um, and that is just part of that is part of the fact that America has this current inherent pole, right, where we we can really change the way anything happens, we, we take things and we make them happen. And now, now India is taking a Westernized version of, of yogic exercise and making that part of their culture. But I I'm just curious in general, you can answer that however it feels right. Um, for me personally, it's important that
1: I honor yoga's roots to my understanding. Um, I was very fortunate to have, uh, uh, yoga teachers that have been connected to uh, what I see as traditional yoga, as well as lineages of yoga, and um, more than just asana. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely you know an eight-limbed practice. But even beyond the eight limbs, I think it's just for me. Um, connecting students back to the knowing of the true self using all the tools of yoga. If that's going to be through asana, okay, then we can use it as asana. If it's going to be through meditation, pranayama, um, uh, concentration, right? You know, focusing on one thing to the exclusion of everything else. It's using all of the tools. It's more of a tantric practice. It's using all of life as a way to steer us back to the knowing of wholeness, the knowing of our true self. And so, um, for me, you know, going back to Patanjali's Yoga Sutras and, um, you know, the Bhagavad Gita, but the, the ancient texts and and really studying those as well as asana, you know, in the West, we know that there's a more, there's more of an attraction to the practice of yoga through asana. I will say I think a lot of students are looking for more, but it's usually asana that's the gateway. Mm-hmm. And so being able to really create a class that speaks to them physically but really gets them into sensation and energy which is the the guidepost back to the knowing of the true self so so all of it has a purpose i'm just not interested in teaching one aspect of it postures so i tell my students if if you're you know anyone can teach postures i mean that's an exercise class um, but how can we teach yoga with asana and what does that mean to you? And, and, you know, I think it's important for us to look at that, especially in the West, so that we're not appropriating an ancient practice, but rather honoring it as much as we can.
2: Yeah. That's a really good answer. You mentioned lineages and one of the, one of the lineages that you've studied underneath is Kamini Desai. and specifically yoga nidra and patrick and i hosted or patrick hosted a retreat that i was lucky enough to be a part of planning and and teaching and a main a main staple point in that retreat was yoga nidra i think we did a couple of them right patrick i think Mm -hmm. at least yeah and (laughs) <laughs> Patrick's look on his face. He goes, I'm not sure what exactly happened there, but it is pure magic, <laughs> pure yeah. magic, that yoga nidra. So, so I want to hear it from your voice because I did my best to explain it, but you're very eloquent and articulate in the way that you explain the practice of yoga nidra. And it's been such an impactful practice in my life. Mm. And it's such a simple practice you have to slay, lay down and receive that's it i listened to yours yesterday that you sent me a long time ago it was called centered where you take take us through the seven energy centers mm-hmm. and it's and it's it's one of my main go-to's whenever i'm feeling a little twirly if you will um yeah. but i don't want to take up any more time i want to, i want to hear it from out of out of your mouth what is the practice of yoga nidra
1: Well, uh, I mean, deep restoration and, uh, but yoga nidra is really leading us towards the, again, the knowing of the true self. It's allowing us to rest in our ocean-like nature, the unchanging aspect of self, that which was here before this body and mind, and that which will be here after this body and mind. And especially I am yoga nidra. It's some yoga nidra programs will kind of lead you to the end of the diving board, but never really let you know how to jump off mm. and, and rest as the true self. And, and I am yoga nidra is all geared towards that aspect. Our bodies are already biologically programmed to you know rest, but unfortunately, because we're such a sympathetic, dominant society, we don't even know how to do that anymore. And yoga nidra really reteaches the body how to move through the brainwave states and rest in the deepest aspect of self in order then to come back to the world of form and navigate life from that place. That's that's the whole thing. It's not that you're not going to come back into form and have bills to pay and traffic to deal with and, and relationships. But it gives you the capacity to navigate that with a little more ease Mm. with a little more um, gentleness with yourself as well as the world around you. Mm. So that's what I would say. What would you
2: say, Brian? <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna throw it back on me. Perfect. You know, it it allows me to come from a place of right action than always having to react to people, places, and things in my life. That's a direct quote from you. I use it all the time. Um, but but that's really what it what it means for me. It's it's a sleep based guided meditation that that brings you down through the wave through through the different brain wave states and allows you again to rest in your own true nature. It's yeah. it's it's something that. I've introduced it to my family members, to my friends, to, to Patrick, to, I mean, to everybody. And it's always the, the the overwhelming feedback or responses, where the heck did you learn this thing from? And how do I, how do I learn it? I want more of this. So then it becomes one of my favorite gifts that I can give to somebody, whether it's Christmas or their birthday is, is a personally recorded yoga nidra session. Mm -hmm. And I think that is such a beautiful gift. Um, and I have also realized that I'm not only when when I set an intention to deliver a yoga nidra for someone. I've also realized that I'm also delivering it for myself. Anytime you deliver a practice, a yoga practice or a yoga nidra, whatever it may be, you're also it's also coming. It's also for you, right? So, yeah. um, it, it, it it it's a it's a gift that keeps on giving. Is how I like. Yeah. This.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. When you're giving a yoga nidra, you're receiving a yoga nidra. And that's really how you know that you're transmitting in yoga nidra because you feel it, you feel it it energetically through your whole body. And I think it was Eckhart Tolle said, you cannot not teach presence when you live in presence. So Mm. when we stay connected to that source energy within that is what's transmitted. It's not looking outside of ourselves going, Oh, are they getting it? You know, are they breathing? Okay. <laughs> are they, it's like, no, go in here. Yeah. And if you feel it, you cannot not be transmitting it.
2: That's a great way. Of it. It's, it's oftentimes that I feel most connected when I'm teaching is that, that very thing, the deeper I can, it, you work in to work out, right? So the deeper that you can work in, the more that those, those, the, spirit god whatever you want to look at it is 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 then is then feeding through you you're just simply an antenna like catching the waves and then delivering them back out yeah Yeah. so patrick there's the magic for you man right there well said (laughs) there's a difference in
0: the way your mind responds to Yoga Nidra, right? So I think that brainwave dialing down is an interesting, uh, a really interesting way to visualize yoga nidra, um, or changing down, I guess was probably a better way to describe it. Um, where the the challenge within deepening your yoga nidra practice is actually maintaining some level of consciousness, right? Like I always like to maintain, I I, I always maintain one pinky. That I don't let completely go away, and that prevents me from ever being in a in a sleep state. And I know everyone's like, ah, you can go to sleep, but I like to I like to maintain some level of consciousness. And when we are, but the experience, I would maybe I'm maybe I'm I'm wrong with this. Maybe you guys can tell me this is a different experience for you. But the experience for me is never a total dissolvement into oneness with the universe and the way I think of of meditation being. But there is a certain level of dissolvement of the physical body that happens in Yoga Nidra. I think that Yoga Nidra is very good at dissolving sensation within the physical body. Is there a part, is there an inherent challenge in the depth of the Yoga Nidra practice and that you do have to maintain or I have to maintain some level of some semblance of me still existing. I can't completely dissolve in yoga nidra. Cause when I do, I lose, I lose consciousness.
1: So I know what you mean. And I think, you know, we, we definitely from a teaching perspective, tell the students that, you know, use the, the, the tools and the techniques of the yoga nidra to drop beneath the mind. And, but you're right, over time, how can we maintain um, a level of awareness? But at that point, you're really what resting is the witness to. So rather than an active participant, right? And the mind's like, oh, right thumb, you know, left thumb, finger, you know, elbow, shoulder. And it's like this active participant who's judging the experience and has all these thoughts about the experience. Really, what you're doing is go be is going beyond the mind and resting as the witness to the experience. Mm -hmm. And and that can be, that's really powerful. And, And what that does is again, build our capacity when we are out in the world of form, constantly changing all the fluctuations, is here I am embodied as Patrick or Laura or Brian, but I'm still connected to that aspect of witness that can recognize all the changing forms. And it allows me to be, in some situations, less reactive to, and rather more, like Brian said, I can move through life from a place of right action. It's not that I'm not going to still do things. So yoga nidra is really building capacity over time. So again, resting as the witness is different than staying tethered or connected to the mental fluctuations or activities of the mind. Mm. Do you feel a difference between the two?
0: Between meditation and, and yoga nidra? Uh,
1: a difference between I'm participating with all of the, the mental fluctuations or I'm resting as a witness who is mm-hmm. able to see all those fluctuations and they're not me.
0: Yeah. So, so I think that the, the way I describe that space, it, mm-hmm. a space between thought and reaction right, essentially, right? That is being in a meditative space. Um, and I define that very differently than meditation. Meditation is a completely different practice. So, so yoga nidra is a meditative experience. Is a completely different statement than um, yoga nidra is a meditation. Um, and t- to me, I think that's that's an interesting thing because I do think living consciously, existing in a meditative space. Or in a meditative experience is is something that we can do. And when you do, when it does happen, if it does happen, uh, it's amazing. That that experience of um, existing in a meditative space is is an amazing experience. And I I think that actually I think you guys have dialed that in for me pretty pretty perfectly because I do think it is very very meditative. And that that experience of yoga nidra really is about it is an interesting pathway, it really leads you down the sensation of of releasing your mind to the experience that is happening, and observing, observing within you what is actually happening. And that is a that's a pretty fascinating. It's a pretty fascinating step by step process to make happen. (laughs) And And what's so
1: cool is when you can rest as the witness, you know, when you're navigating some challenge of life. It's not separate from, it's not, it's not just, well, I've got to lay down and close my eyes and, you know, play this recording. It's not separate from, it's how can I also be a witness to, wow, I am having a giant reaction to this person who just cut me off in traffic. I can choose to continue to participate in this giant reaction, or I can choose to rest back with my breath or whatever tethering, you know, mechanism that we have that brings us back to the present moment. But it's through the practices. It's through the practice of yoga nidra. It's through the practice of, of meditation. It's even through the practice of asana and breath work that really give us those tools that, oh, I can be a witness to rather than believing these reactions to be the totality of me.
0: So one of the things that you said earlier was that this soham or I am, I am um, version of um, yoga nidra takes you beyond the edge of the diving board. And I, the the edge of the diving board analogy is something that I use I use a very similar description of um, meditation in that there's no way to to step by step your way into infinity. There's no way to step by step your way into oneness because there's never there's you never will reach that number. But the diving board experience is just like completely letting go so can you give me can you give me exactly what that means to you and how how the i am version of yoga nidra it varies to offer that experience of complete immersion
1: yeah well i am yoga nidra stands for integrative amrit method of yoga nidra I am, from a yogic perspective, we know it to be, you know, so hum or hum so, um, and it's really I am period, before all the labels are given to us. And for me, Yoga Nidra is leading us back to that knowing. It's leading us back to the I am before the label of Laura, mom, yoga teacher, friend, daughter, before all the labels that are given to us. And so the techniques of the IM method of yoga nidra are all guiding us to the space, the, the letting go, I really think you said it so beautifully, it is the letting go. It's the letting go of the labels, the letting go of the attachments. And, and look, that can be a scary thing. And I think it's why it's not always for every person every time, because it's like, I'll let go a little bit, but I'm going to still stay tethered mm-hmm. to something because it's what we identify with yeah. so clearly. And, and, and that's okay, too. It's like yoga nidra, the practice of yoga meets you where you are as you are. That's really, to me, the, the power of the practice. And so that end of the diving board, jumping off into the deep end, not the shallow end. We're <laughs> not swimming in the shallow end. We're going to the deep end yes. is really about the, the true letting go. And, and that, you know, that's challenging. But what's beautiful about yoga nidra is it's a non-doing practice. In its nature is letting go. It's a non-doing practice. I don't even have to hold myself upright anymore. You know, in meditation, if we're upright, there's dealing with the sensations of the body or working with or witnessing the Mm. sensations within the body. Yoga Nidra takes all of that out of it as well. Mm. It's it's a non doing practice of letting go.
0: Okay, so this is this is the last question I have that I wanted to save until the end. And I don't know how close we are. The end we're pretty close. But um, since you brought this to the exact the, the exact point where it has to be asked. It has to be. Go ahead. What would? It's different, Brian. It's different. Oh, done it! Come on now. <laughs> what would you say to someone who says that yoga exists purely so that we can sit without feeling our body with our spine erect?
1: Yoga nidra. Is yoga. that what you mean? So say. So ask me the question again. The practice of yoga.
0: So so, what would you say to someone? Hmm, yeah. What would you say to someone? who says that yoga exists, yoga in general, and in, in, in all encapsulations exists for the sole reason of allowing a physical being to sit in stillness with their spine erect. Uh,
1: that's interesting. Um, I, I, I don't resonate with that at all.
0: <laughs> um,
1: I feel like it's a trick question or something. So the, the sole purpose for all of the different schools, practices of yoga and beyond are to sit upright, mm-hmm. feel the sensation of sitting upright. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's,
0: so, so the answer, so, oh, think, so it's not I a trick question, but it's completely about, so to me yoga exists for one reason and that that is the reason. It's so that I can sit upright without feeling my spine, without feeling my body. Because if I am attached to my body in any way, I can never oh. experience a true state of meditation. So if there's any sensation that I am feeling, I am tethered to this being that I exist in and I can never transcend that being. So to me, when I look at, you know, if I go back in the, in the lineage of yoga, five, 10,000 years ago to Adi Yogi, Adiyogi's practice was essentially sitting, period, right? The, right? the original yogi, Shivas, did one thing. He sat. Yes. And that is how the practice of yoga was birthed. So when I, when I look at the like pure distillment of where this practice came from, it came from one thing, and it came from the ability to sit. And I see you know, easy pose is one of the, one of the most fundamental oxymorons in the practice of yoga, (laughs) because you see the pain and and anguish on people trying trying to sit, trying to sit with their legs closed and their spine erect. And it's like, it's perfect. Like a, a yoga teacher training is a beautiful way, right? Like where's the wall? Because everybody has to put their spine up against the wall because sitting for three hours with your spine erect is is amazingly is amazingly painful for ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the people on the planet. So I used to ask the question that Brian thought was going to be, which was what's the difference between um, meditation and thinking with your eyes closed. But I think a lot of it is how how deeply you can tune your antenna, um, the spinal column as the antenna to the universe. Without experiencing any sensation at all within the body. so so that is my that's my long explanation that I've never offered to the world. but um... <laughs> <laughs> the I needed bone.
1: more. yeah, I needed a little <laughs> bit more to that. Um, You know, but I think that's interesting. I agree with you. All yoga started, you know, a seated meditation, 12, 14, 16 hours a day. And, you know, we're as householders, you know, um, for me, I will just say this, that feels more like a Vedanta practice, where I am separating myself from everything in form, including this body in order to connect to something greater. And to me, that's why Tantra came not Tantra is the West knows it is sex, but Tantra came is using everything in the world of form as a connection to source. There's no separation from, from this computer to this scarf, to this window, to this body, everything in the world of form is coming from the same ocean is coming from the same source. And so we can use all of it to connect back to rather than, than, trying to get away from so for me sensation that source energy felt along the spinal column but throughout the body is a gateway back or, or reveals the connection to the source nature that we truly are divinity and humanity is ex- coexisting all the time so that's sort of my experience or my understanding. Um, I think it's a great question and uh, definitely interesting. And I like to, you know, I, I appreciate that. And I think that, again, we all have, you know, we all are taking these practices and these teachings in and integrating them in different ways as well, which is so powerful about the practice too.
2: It's so interesting to hear both you all's take on that. Um, cause I have a totally different experience <laughs> and that's, and that's, and that's part of it. You know, that's, that's part of the beauty of yoga. It's part of the beauty of this existence. It's part of the beauty of just being a human being, you know, that we're all having our own very unique, simultaneously different experience. <laughs> it's super rad. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to leave you with this, Laura. I got to ask this question. Patrick thought this was a good question last podcast. So I'm going to ask it again. Gosh, darn it. <laughs> In your life, we'll leave leave it on this one because I know we're butting up against time, Um, but in your life, what has been more impactful for you, the things you have said yes to or the things you have said no to?
1: Mm. For me personally, the things I have said yes to, because I spent a very long, large portion of my life, I think, uh, in a place of fear. Uh, fear of being seen, fear of saying the wrong thing, fear of being the wrong thing, um, a lot of fear. And once I started saying yes, there was a, an opening up or a freedom inside that I didn't quite Maybe I forgot existed is probably the truest uh, statement to that. Just sort of forgot um, what it feels like to be free. And so for me, definitely uh, saying yes.
2: Hmm. I'm glad you said yes to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm so
1: glad too. See?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I feel like we could go on for for hours so yes. i really appreciate you allowing uh, us to carve out an hour of of your time to make this happen this has been really fun
1: oh it was such a pleasure i can't believe it's already been an hour that went by really <laughs> fast i feel like we should just, i feel like we have to keep going
2: yeah <laughs> we're gonna have I to
0: we're like gonna house house have Kenny you come Bill back Patrick.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah we'll have to have you come back that'll be fun yeah. for sure
1: oh i would love that
2: it's it, it, I just have to say this. It's been, you're, you're one of the brightest lights in my life, Laura. I, I think about you daily. Um, I have my quotes right over my, my it's going to be your right side. That's the Laura isms right there in that little that <laughs> circle right next to the heart there, if you can see that. Um, but those are the, the Laura isms that I printed out that I took notes of during the YTT 200. And I, you know, every time I teach, we, I teach, I teach in mandala. So where, where you hold your, your, your trainings, I can feel you in those classrooms And um, I just love you, Laura, so so deeply. So thank you for for being you, and thank you for coming on.
1: Oh, thank you, Brian. That's so sweet, and I feel exactly the same. And I teach on Mondays in Mandala too. So energetically linked um I'm just super grateful for you I'm so happy to see all the amazing things that you're sharing and um yeah it's exciting it's exciting to watch and you have always been like walking sunshine not that you don't have your bad days but you are just joy filled and I'm grateful that you're in the world and I just get to um watch from afar uh your
2: journey
1: oh, thank you my dear friend
2: thank you my dear friend I love you so much I love thank you guys. too yeah thank you thank guys. you
1: Patrick I love you too <laughs>
2: love you too appreciate you guys so much <laughs> have a great you. day Miss Laura talk to you soon
1: All right, thanks for having me on
2: thank you